0: You're a big advocate for mental health awareness, Bell Let's Talk. It's been a little over a year since you started the Sick Not Week project. Tell me how that all came to be and how's it going?
1: Well, it came to be because I suffer from uh, depression chronic depression and anxiety and I have since actually uh, 1998 the second year of OTR I got hit by a, a really severe depression which took me down deep into a hole that I never really thought I was going to make it out of that's how bad it was and so from having suffered from chronic depression over the years uh, I found myself doing off the record in 2009 interviewing Stefan Richet former Montreal Canadian two time Stanley Cup champion and I I I'd never spoken about my struggles on television. And I thought, uh, and I had never spoken about them because I thought, who who would care? Why would it have any impact on people? Why is it relevant to people's lives? They'll just think I'm a winder. Uh, And then in 2009, I said to Stefan, look, I'd like to ask you how you're doing with your depression, because I know in the 1990s, you suffer from depression. And he was very hesitant. So I said, look, if you will share with me, I will share with you and I will talk about my struggles. And he said, "Okay." And then we went on the air. And to answer your question, you know, how did that come about? It came about because, in October of 2009, I got 22 emails after the show went to air, and all of them said it's the first time they've seen two guys talking about depression without seeming embarrassed or ashamed. And because of that, they were telling me that they had struggled and I was the first person they had ever told that to. And it was this awakening for me. It's like, oh my God, how did, how did this happen? How could I have possibly impacted people's lives like this? All I did was talk about my struggle. And then I found that when you talk about it without being ashamed and and you, you clearly look like you're saying, screw you to the world. This is me. This is what I suffer from. Uh, it's not self-inflicted. This is not my fault. I didn't will it upon myself, and I can't will it away. And if you make that statement to people, then they take some of your power and your passion and some of your comfort with your illness, and then they are more apt to share and more apt to go for help. So that's, that's why I am here today doing what I do in mental health because of that one day and the reaction that I got
0: yeah I mean I've seen the episode I've just watched it before we came in just to refresh my memory of it and I mean it is it's very inspiring it's very touching it's very open in the sense like this is the first time that i in a in a way like let's be honest men have this kind of concept that they have to be very manly or and they can't show emotion but I mean that's it's a stereotype it's something that if you're bothered by something, you should talk about it because someone else could be going through the same thing. So I, I want to ask you this as well, because you mentioned it like it was 90, I think you said 98 when you got suffered from depression. Yeah. How do you cope with it? What are some advice you could give others? Because I mean, you were still doing OTR at the point and like, did it ever become a struggle to kind of do TV and deal with this issue?
1: It became a struggle to get out of bed. It became a struggle to take a shower. It became a struggle to drive to work. It became a struggle to, to be around other people, to have to converse. And so if you, if you take all of those struggles and you say, wow, if those things were hard, how h- hard was it for Michael to host a show, to, to have to be the life of the party, to have to greet people, to look him in the eyes? It was by far the biggest challenge of my professional career by a mile. Nothing would be number two. And it, it, uh, it was just something that I had to do I I had to make a living I had to earn a living for my family I didn't want to lose my career so I just kept doing it and I I learned very early on that staying in bed wasn't going to help me anyway so uh, you asked me what to do anyone who's listening right now who's thinking to himself you know I'm not sure I may be suffering from some kind of mental health issue if you are then uh, I can guarantee you that if you don't go for help if you don't Share it with someone. You'll, you won't you will get better. You'll just continue to suffer, and you'll give up day after day after day that you will never get back because a day spent depressed severely is a day that's no better than being dead because you, you, you're you not really living. So it was, was a tough job to do and is a tough job to do when you don't feel right, especially, I mean, I went through a year and a half of being severely depressed, so we're talking about probably 300 shows, and each one was torturous for me.
0: I can imagine it being very hard. I mean, I I, I don't want to say that I suffer from it or I, I have anything to deal with it. I know friends that do, so I don't want to be kind of shining myself in that light as well If you, because I haven't been to someone to talk about it. But I, I, I just want to mention this, and hopefully it's not off topic or intrusive, and I apologize if it is. But they mentioned, like, you know, with mental health suicide is a big thing in these years that you had this did you ever feel like that was going to be your only option
1: Not only is that not intrusive or inappropriate, but that is 100% the right question to ask, because suicide's greatest ally is silence. When we don't talk about suicide, when people are afraid to use the word, when it's not brought up, when it remains taboo, then people will suffer in silence and very often will take their lives without actually reaching out for help. I mean, that's a statement that says, I would rather die than share this problem because I'm too ashamed and too embarrassed. So we we can make a difference in the number of people that attempt suicide by, by bringing it to the forefront of discussion. So I, I knew several times why people took their lives uh, as recently as a month ago. I, I, fe- I had these, these feelings in the morning where everything was negative, where, you know, it was just like this bleakness overcame me and nothing seemed right and nothing seemed to be a reason to continue with my day. But, I mean, I wasn't a danger to myself because I, I understand my illness and I understand that things like that do fade for me and I understand that there's treatment for those things. And in 2008, uh, I was really, really sick and I, I remember thinking to myself, I know why people take their lives because the thought of living with the pain is, is, is scarier than the thought of dying. And when the thought... Thought of waking up tomorrow with the pain that you're feeling is so much greater than the fear of not being alive. Then you are really vulnerable.
0: One of the other things I want to mention as well is you mentioned recently of just depression and suicide go they're hand in hand. But I, I just can't remember the girl's name off the top of my head. But she was an advocate for mental health, but she ended up committing suicide, and it was just I think about a month or two ago. Yep. Um, Amy Blue. Yes, there you go. I mean,
1: project semicolon.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the whole, you know, you understood why or like how people even the strongest of people end up losing the battle. But she did what she could. And it's just sad that it ended that way
1: tragic and, and horribly painful for people that looked at her as being uh, an inspiration. And, uh, I mean, she doesn't inspire me any less because because she ended up dying from her illness. But it really is a reminder of what we're talking about. Because, like, you know, I, I can preach all about mental health, and I can talk about depression and how painful it is and how, how you need to share and the shame and the embarrassment that people feel. But the truth is, you don't know that what I'm saying is actually what's going on in my mind. Because you can't prove it. You can't show an x-ray. You can't show a blood test. It's like whatever I'm saying in my head, you have to believe is true. And if you start to doubt it, which is right at the heart of the stigma, then you start to wonder, well, you know, is it really that bad? How could how bad could it be? And then you hear the story about Amy Bluel, who knew everything there is to know about this illness, who was an advocate for sharing, who was an advocate for going to get help. And still, it was so bad for her. That she ended her own life—that tells you the seriousness of this illness. And even in death, she is a lesson to the rest of the world that you got—you can never underestimate the power of mental health and what it can do to you. Are there still
0: days that, uh, when you're going in to do the radio show with, uh, you know, Naylor, that you still kind of feel these symptoms?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I, I am a—I'm a treated person with a chronic mental health issue, uh, depression and anxiety, and um, medication keeps me within a certain range. I live my life from a four to a seven. Zero, uh, on the Sickter scale, is, as we have sort of coined it. A zero being where I would have been on the worst days of my life. In 2008, I was there for an entire year, where nothing brought me joy, where everything was painful. And a ten on that scale would be absolute normalcy, where you can experience Whatever it is that comes your way, well, I I lose seven eight. Or eight, nine, ten, and one, two, three, and that's a deal that I make with the devil. It's like this deal with the devil where I say, you know, I can't go back to that terrible place, and in exchange for you keeping me away from that place, I will give up the top end of the scale uh, because the medication that keeps you uh, away from being in the bottom of the deep dark hole also prevents you from climbing all the way out of the hole. So it keeps you in that middle range. So you ask me if I still have days like. Like that my days, quote unquote, like that are not terrible. My worst day is a four. It's a bad day, it's a day where I struggle to be me. It's a day when I lament, you know, like, am I going to get me back? But it's still nothing like it was when I wasn't on medication.
0: All right, no, that's that's fair. I recently bought a sick, wee hoodie. It's very comfortable. I like it a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's I, awesome. I, I wore it to soccer. I got a few people that said, uh, the sick is spelt the wrong way. And I was just uh, like, just go to the website, get informed. I'm like, one guy wanted to try it on because he was like, I don't want to buy it unless it's comfortable. I'm like, that's that's fair. So I was like, it on and he's like oh this is very comfy i'm like okay now give it back i'm like go get your own
1: Um, you know you know just just to explain why it's spelled backwards it it's the answer to that because i usually wear it when i go to give speeches which i do a lot of traveling around the country and sharing the kinds of things that i'm sharing with you and your audience but uh people say well how come you spelt it backwards and the answer is so you would notice it like you just did it's kind of taken on a whole life of its own, just the, the 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 phrase, the name, the title, sick, not weak. It really still is the three most... If you take those words separately, the three most valuable words I can say are sick, not weak.
0: Yeah, I, I find, too, the reason that... I'll give the reason why I bought the hoodie is, like, you know, we had a, a kid in Belleville. He didn't suffer from mental health. He was just a kid that had cancer that passed away and you know I, I got a lot of things from his parents like shirts that said um, like rest in peace Thomas Martin or like a, a hoodie or a shirt that had a superhero on and I thought you know this is this is cool this is kind of interesting like not not in a bad way I just meant like No, the the shirts that you're wearing actually mean something. Like anyone could have an American Eagle shirt, but like to actually have something with his face on it that symbolized, "Hey, I knew him." And someone will ask you, like, brings up a conversation or a story. So when I was wearing, I said, "I kind of want my hoodies or what I wear to have something of meaning." So I have a whole bunch of East Coast lifestyle hoodies for being from Newfoundland, and I thought. I know a few people that suffer from uh, depression, and it'd be nice to show them a little bit of support, or show them that like you're there with them with a, a sick not we couldy. And you know, if they asked, and you could kind of tell them like, listen, go to the website, find out more, or check out Michael Landsberg's Lands blogs. He like just stuff that can help them through it. Because an example I'll give you too is radio broadcasting. As you know, sometimes it's, it's a hard field to crack, especially when you're just out of school. So there are definitely days that I'll come home and be like passing out resumes and getting nothing. And then I'll turn on that rock when he was on Oprah and he explains how he got into wrestling. And I'll look at that and think, you just got to have faith something's going to come up from it. And, you know, sometimes people will look at your lands blogs and think the same thing.
1: Well, I think your description of why you you wear the sweatshirt, why you ordered the hoodie is exactly uh, like the perfect explanation because you wear that and someone who's struggling with a mental health issue who probably does feel lonely and isolated and probably does experience some shame and embarrassment and probably does feel weak, looks at that. And if, if they were to ask you, what does that mean? And you were to tell them, they would immediately feel supported. They would immediately have this horrible loneliness that we all experience from mental health issues lesson because now you have said hey i'm there with you it's huge you have you have no idea how those those words can make such a such a difference because one of the symptoms of depression in particular is loneliness everybody feels it there's some things when i go to speak i will say i know what's going on in your heads because it's gone on in mine and i'll tell them i'll say i'm kind of like the long island medium here i'll tell you what you're thinking when you thought it what it led to because we all experience the same things and one of those things is loneliness
0: where the profits go on the merchandise
1: are uh, the profits well i mean it's not like we've sold a ton of profit but we uh we are we're not for profit so um it certainly doesn't it doesn't go to me it goes to sustain us and now we have the opportunity from having done some events and having made a little bit of money to be able to go out and say okay what are we going to do? That is going to uh, uh, this money will allow us to do. And one of the things that that I really want to do uh, is I want to do a, a, a television show, whether it's actually broadcast on television or not, but just something slicker than the Lands blogs. I want to do a major event on stage with performers and speakers and athletes talking about this. And so it, it all it all takes money, and that's what we're going to do. And and to continue to grow because people now believe in not not just sick not weak but just in general they believe that mental illness has been ignored throughout history and this is a time of change when history will look back on companies and ask what side of history were they on, the right side or the wrong side? The right side being we believe in, in, in the people that work for us. We believe in their mental health. We know that by creating an open environment, they will share more, they will get healthy faster, and that they'll be more productive. So this is the time for, for mental health to be talking about it.
0: In your opinion, what do you think society needs to do for people who are suffering? Because and that's something that I'm going to mention too, is I don't really like to use the term suffering, but, you know, because it's something that definitely needs to be done. We definitely need to talk about it and something has to be done because one in five Canadians will suffer from some sort of mental disorder in their lifetime.
1: See, I have no problem with the term suffering, with the word suffering, because it's it, it, if you want people to understand Mental illness is actually a a ridiculous phrase because what does it mean? What what does mental illness mean? Why is it not a physical illness of the brain? That's what I have. I have depression, a physical illness of the brain, a brain disease, just like Parkinson's is a brain disease. But when you call it mental illness, all of a sudden you're 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 diving right into the stigma because you're somehow making a statement that it's different than a physical illness. It needs to be seen as a physical illness of the brain. And when you have an illness, you suffer. That's that's a fact. You know, you suffer with cancer. You suffer with diabetes. You suffer with depression or from those. So I have no problem with that term. You know, semantically, we're very challenged because we use the word depression, for instance, to describe this terrible illness, but it's also just a, a phase of people's lives, whether it's a couple of hours a day, a week, a month. Everybody gets depressed because of circumstances in their life. And because we use the same word to describe both, it minimizes the seriousness of the actual illness,
0: basically, uh, and I guess I'm a little bit of I, I fall to doing this as well. But I guess the media is uh, for a media. It's you want to take out the word illness and just call
1: it as so. It's not no, a, I, I want the word mental taken out because mental, like, it doesn't mean anything. Okay. So, so. I, they have different words for it in in certain hospitals in the United States. Now, I'm like for me, it doesn't matter. And for me, when I write about it and talk about it, I often use the term mental illness because I I don't know what else to use. You need to communicate ideas. You can't you can't use a phrase that people don't understand. So and, you know, as for right now, we'll continue going with it. But I think you need to understand what it means and the fact that it really doesn't mean. What it should be is a physical illness of the brain, but that's pretty cumbersome. So I I don't know. I'm going to leave that up to someone else to figure out what to call it. I'm just going to help people talk about it.
0: And hopefully this doesn't end the interview in a a bad way or where you, uh, you know, tell me that you're going to send me an email and say, we're never doing this again. But uh, do you think it's fair? Because in the States, you know, with the mass shootings they have or school shootings, they instantly label the shooter as having a mental illness like that's what the news outlets say do you think that's fair
1: why why would you think that that i would be offended by that
0: again that's just i guess me being an an ass or assuming no 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 (laughs) it's not
1: you being an ass it's you being um overly sensitive i mean it's a totally appropriate question it's like when you ask me about suicide you know um the idea in an interview is to push the boundaries and to try to get People just talk about things that they wouldn't normally talk about. Uh, so I, I, I think that it's a very complicated issue when you when you talk about a mass shooting, because there is there's a conclusion that most of us would draw that if uh, a 21-year-old kid, I'm thinking of Charlotte the, or uh, Charlotte or the one that happened in, is it the Charlotte one? Uh, I'm thinking of the one where um, the guy went into the school, and um, I'll, I'll think of the name, but when you imagine a guy going in with an automatic rifle or three automatic rifles and randomly killing every six-year-old kid and teacher that he or she can find, you really need to, there's a logical illusion, which is that, that that individual had some kind of sickness in his brain, you know, like, because, you know, he's he's so far beyond what a healthy brain would do. There has to be an explanation other than he was just evil, because I think at the root of much evil is mental health or, or mental illness. So... I I think that I have no problem when people say, well, they're probably suffering from a mental illness, because if you weren't, like, I don't think this is depression we're talking about here. I think almost every mass shooting that that is based on nothing logical is done by someone who's psychotic.
0: The one that comes to mind is I think that was the Sandy Hook
1: Newtown, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. The one that comes to mind that I I kind of read up on um, too a few a few weeks ago just because sometimes your mind wanders at night. Um, it was the the one that they called the Aurora shooting, the the yeah. Batman shooting, and like you In look Denver. at you, yeah, and you look at it and like he seemed like a normal kid. They showed videos of him uh, interacting with uh, other students or younger kids, but. It, I think they said the day or the week before he he was at college and he sent in a file to go meet with somebody because he was having these issues. And it was, I think, the, the weekend before, the Friday before he did the shooting. And I was thinking, like, this poor kid or poor man, like, all he needed was someone to talk to. And he just kind of broke, like, he just broke down and ended up doing the deed that he did.
1: I think you're talking about the movie theater, right? Yes. You know, that awful. I mean, that was just so relatable for for everybody. Thinking, you know, we've all gone to movies and I go to movies all the time. And just thinking how vulnerable you are and how tragic it is, not just for the victims, but for this individual who gave up his life to his illness and his family. Um, The devastation that they would feel from this obviously untreated mental illness so i I, I think it's a logical and fair conclusion to draw most of the time
0: in in canada i i know we don't have it as severe as an issue as in the states but what do you think needs to be done more in canada because they say that you know we have one in five that are you know are going to suffer through this at some point but at the same at the same time something needs to be done so that all five of these people get some help
1: well, I'm all about convincing the one in five to share their illness, to get the help, and to feel less shame and embarrassment instead of hiding this and feeling like I can't talk about it, to relieve them of the burden of, of carrying this weight in the shoulder like I can't let people find out about this. That's what my goal is. My goal is to show people that mental illness is a sickness, not a weakness. And as for getting treatment for for the one in five or for the other ones, for preventing it, uh, all of that, that's, that's on somebody else is played right now because I, the real power that I have is is just to tell my story and to get other people to tell their story. And what that leads to is less stigma and less stigma leads to more sharing. More sharing means more people getting help, more people walking into the doctor's office, more people not giving up their lives to this illness. So that's, that's my goal.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Michael Landsberg for coming on the show. Remember... You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, don't feel like you are fighting alone. If you need a friend, reach out to someone. Sometimes we all just need someone to get through tough times. It's not a weakness. It's a strength in knowing that sometimes we are not always all right. Just thought you should know that. Thanks for listening and good night. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind check us out on apple spotify the fountain app and at naturalmanpodcast.com i'm andrea askowitz and i'm allison langer